Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Can you see it? Did you know Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Adam's You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code hockey season capital H capital S. All one word, hockey season. That will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic. Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. The best part about Zephyr Epic, who has you covered on all of your trading card needs, is that they ship free anywhere in Canada from... From Cranbrook to Carberry. Carberry, Manitoba. You find it uh, real south Manitoba is that uh, that's where Minnesota is right Minnesota and Manitoba yes. they're like bordering uh, yep. states and, and provinces yep so pretty pretty damn close to Minnesota there uh, Carberry Manitoba uh, some some pieces of interest over there in Carberry as you know I like to bring up uh, please, the, please tell us the Carberry Plains Community Center 
You can go skating there, lawn bowling, quads, you know, lawn bowling, those old folks, they love their lawn bowling. It, I don't know if they've made the change everywhere. I don't think Carberry's moving with the times as much, and I don't know if they're playing pickleball yet. That's mm. the new old person yep. sport, right? Pickleball's the thing. I wouldn't mind, anyways. Pickleball's uh, fun. I wouldn't I'm, mind doing that either. If we yeah. get a little Patreon content going. That's what I'm saying. I haven't tried it yet. It looks like, uh, I, I just hear it's tennis, but you don't have to move as much. Did you see TJ Watt? Uh, I believe he plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know mm-hmm. football better than I do. Yeah. Uh, he posted, there was some, some person posted a text exchange with their mother and they said, I, I met these guys playing pickleball at the court or whatever. And it's just a picture of her with these huge, three huge dudes, like f- clearly football players. And she says, she said something along the lines of like, oh, I don't really know who they are, blah, blah, blah. Or they play football, something like that. And TJ Watt quote tweeted and was like, Mary was a machine out there or whatever yeah. it was. And That's she awesome. played pickleball with the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. So I don't know if Carberry's got the pickleball courts. They still got the lawn bowling. That's another... Uh that's another old person sport here. But I hear I, pickleball is like the fastest growing sport. Anyways, we'll get to pickleball later. I, 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 I'm, I'm timid to call it a old person sport because it sure sounds like you and I are going to be playing it really soon. We'll see. Well, I'm getting pretty old pretty fast. Uh, aside from that, hockey, of course, as I mentioned, that you know they get that going down in the community center. Uh, another piece of interest, the Sand Hills Casino. Kind of a cool, I, I like that. I like the, the name Sand Hills. They got a casino down there. As well as, uh, I don't know if this is like a great, this is what it says on the website. I don't know if this is a great accomplishment, but the Sandhills Golf and Country Club. This is what they this is what they got on their site for, for being famous. One of the longest nine-hole courses in Manitoba. So not even the longest nine-hole <laughs> course in Manitoba, but one of them, 3,228 yards on nine holes quads. That's an average of 359 yards per hole. That's a, This is a long little golf course here in nine holes, I tell you. And then final thing, I don't know why I really... So, Carberry, home of Bob Leslie. Does this name ring a bell to you at all? No. For some reason, it does to me. And I was like, oh, he was a coach. He was an NHL coach. And for some... Like, I grew up, I think, in the early 2000s, mid-2000s. For some reason, the guy's name sounds so familiar. He never coached in the NHL, which was kind of surprising to me. But he was on Team Canada's coaching staff multiple times. So I don't know why I thought I knew Bob Leslie. And here's another fun one. In the British International Hockey League, he was a coach of the London Knights. So not the London Knights of the OHL. But London... The London Knights. So they got a team over in the BISL or BIHL, I mean. Wow. Uh, I just want to point out TJ Watt's last tweet before this one I told you about is pickleball is a very underrated sport. Uh, and then this this person posted, my mom whipped some Steelers in pickleball today. And the mother was like, I rolled up to the park, started playing with these guys, had no idea who they were. Last last game, the guy in the green shirt, green shirt and I whooped the other two. Then everyone else there wanted to take our photo. Uh, and then TJ Watt says, Meg was serving the heat. We had trouble all day. So That's congrats awesome. to Meg on absolutely whooping those guys in pickleball. I'll tell you what. It's, it seems like a good sport. And, and Harmon was telling us, I think he told us this off air. I'm not sure if he told it on the podcast, but Harmon's been getting into badminton, yeah, which is like a couple steps up from pickleball, I think. Yeah, I like badminton too. I always, uh, I think Harm. I don't know if he said, yeah, maybe he said. Yeah, he did bring it up that yeah. you whoop in PE, and you're like, yeah, I could that, do this. That's what I was too. I used to like we'd have the the ladder. Did you ever have this? Yeah, in badminton? we had like a tournament. Yeah, yeah, so we had the ladder thing where you could only challenge people like three rings above you, and I always had to start at the bottom, work my way up, and uh, was really good until they had an exchange student. He came and he was good, man. The we one, had a kid named you know Hideki who was really good. Yeah, we had two. We had uh, one exchange student from I believe China. 
and then another one from Germany, and they were both really good. At Hideki badminton. was from Japan. And oh, he really? Was really good. Yeah. The, I remember the. I can't remember the kid's name, but it was a German exchange student. He's lanky. He had some length to him. Like you could probably pretty good prospect report on him if I could tell you about <laughs> badminton back in the day in high school. He was one of the kids that gave me a pretty good challenge. But that kid yeah. grew up to be more at cider. Could have been. Okay. We're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is Dave Quadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. And some exciting news. I got my pickle shirt on, actually, now that you, you think about your, it. got uh, your green Abbotsford Canucks shirt on. Brand new. It's looking very nice. You got went a- to the team sale. Oh, yeah. How'd not, that go? Not like it used to be. You and I had so much oh, fun we a couple went, years we ago. Up. Yeah, no, this one wasn't great. This was, they didn't have as much cool stuff, and everything was crazy expensive. Five hundred and fifty dollars for a you know Noah Juleson Abbotsford jersey. Come on, no, no way. Are you serious? Oh yeah, five fifty. Like game worn? I probably yeah has like, to be. has to be for five fifty. But this I seen uh, there was a mad dash up there for the Spencer Martin jersey. No. Yeah, so everybody ran up there, and that, that was... I wasn't even there. I was quick. Well, I was pretty early in line. I was probably, like, 10th in line. There was people flying in there, rushing up to the end, and screaming, Spencer Martin, Spencer Martin! And they you're got joking. Not, you're you're I'm exaggerating. Not even, no, Get I'm not. out of here. No, Nobody I'm not. Nobody went to the Canucks team store sale and was yelling Spencer Martin yeah, and they were, over each other like it was Black Friday. No, I swear. They, they ran up the stairs, because if you know the team store, it's the base yeah, yeah, area. Yeah. They went up the stairs, and then the... The sale went like into the concourse there, like they had a yeah, whole yeah, setup yeah. in that area. And these two guys, they were running up there. And they were screaming about the Spence Martin jersey when they got it. Wow! Yeah, and they, they, had, they did get it. Yeah, and they had uh, they had a lot of goalie sticks. I was thinking, and then this is, see, I got lucky a couple of years ago. I got that broken Louis Erickson stick, yeah. one of my favorite uh, sports memorabilia pieces. But the sticks were expensive again. Uh, the only thing I ended up getting, I got uh, I got a Sedin's Night mug for two bucks. That was a good buy. Good size mug too. It's going to be uh, a nice little. You know, I like a good big cup of coffee. So I got that. I got a. Aren't we giving this all away to Patreon subscribers though? No, no, no. Well, no, there wasn't enough stuff to. (laughs) There wasn't enough good deals to give away to the Patreon subscribers. So I got a couple things from the draft as well. Got a big old draft uh, 2019 sticker and a draft koozie. uh, You know, I don't buy merch. I don't do any of that. But the one thing I will buy is draft stuff because the 2019 draft here that was memorable. That was the first draft I covered, and it was so funny because. I was still writing at Canuck Way at the time, and I didn't have any press access, so I couldn't even bring my laptop into the arena. So yep. I like wore a dress shirt to day two, sat in the upper bowl, and wrote everything on my phone. And I did like six articles that day, all on my phone. <laughs> Hell yeah! It was a good time. That is a good time. Yeah, it was. It was fun. Uh, speaking of which, we've kind of sh- fleshed out our draft plan. You're going to be going to Montreal. Yep. I'm going to be staying home because we kind of realized that me in the air for five hours probably isn't great for. Nation Network or Canucks Army. So I uh, decided I'll have to stay home, unfortunately. But uh, uh, I'm excited for you to get there. Yeah, I'll go double hard uh, down in Montreal for you. Yeah. I'll be having a good time there, that's for sure. See, that's the thing is I I was thinking of it. I'm like, when are you going to have a good time? Well, like you might be able to, but I won't. Like I would have to work because the draft's on a Thursday. Day two is Friday. You fly out Saturday morning. I fly out Sunday. Oh, you do? I'm staying an extra day. I'm also getting there on Monday, so I have like, what's that, seven days, six nights? Okay, that that's fair. I'll figure See, out. See, it's a little different because if I went, I was there for two, there for the two nights of the draft and flying yeah, home. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm there There's for six nights. I, I think I'll be able to find some nights to have some fun <laughs> in Montreal. Yeah, you should be just fine. Okay, we've, uh, we've hit the 10-minute mark. So, folks, you might have actually realized we're going to be shortening the intro a bit. 
uh, a bit more. I know that'll make half of you happy. It'll make half. No, of you... it'll make a majority of you mad because they like the intro. Do they? We put the polls out, and people like the long intro every time. Yeah, I don't know, but the people who don't are so vocal. Anyways, that's the problem with these people okay, with bad okay. takes. People with Settle bad down. takes are so this loud. This is turning into a seven layer dip conversation in a second. Oh no, no, no! I don't want to get there. So. Uh, you may have realized we have kind of changed the format a little bit. We're now with a new platform. Uh, there's going to be ads at the front and the back of the pod. Um, you know, just kind of changing everything around a little bit. And it's going to be how it is as we progress to five days a week, which if you haven't heard, we're going to five days a week. You won't have to change anything about your podcast feed. Everything should still come to you. No problem. And we'll be live streaming on, I believe it is Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube and maybe Twitch. I think that yeah, the big one's gonna be YouTube. That's where we uh, like we'll have like the chat box up on YouTube. I've been yeah. I've been messing around a little bit with the streaming platform, like what it's gonna look like, and yeah, like YouTube would be where we want to uh, like have the most interact. It'll be sort of like our text box, like you see on the radio station or Donnie and yeah. Dolly and stuff. Yeah, we'll, exactly. We'll work on that. Heck, we might even try and set up a text box. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. See, okay. I know that's that's your favorite thing at uh, Sportsnet. You zone out for five minutes and start texting <laughs> back everyone. Yeah, it's a great, great time. Text the text the listeners. Sorry for interacting with the listeners, Chris. Oh my goodness. Instead of interacting with you. Yeah, I'm trying to do a radio show. I'm talking to myself. I have to have an argument with myself sometimes on Sportsnet. Yeah, you so zoned out. You're on TikTok half the time. You're on there right now. I can see you got your phone out. Yeah, because we have Kevin Woodley joining us. And speaking of Spencer Martin, oh, we're going to talk to Kevin Woodley about Spencer Martin. We'll get into some more hockey talk on the other side. But uh, as you may have read in the episode description in the title, Kevin Woodley. Joining us on this episode. So. All right, let's get this over with. <laughs> should we hit the goalie intro for Kevin? Yeah, we'll let I him. We we'll should. let him hear it too. I let's think we let's get him on the line. Let's play the intro. Let's get this over with. Okay. All right, guys. Very pleased to be joined now. Well, I'm pleased to be joined now. Faber has actually muted his mic and left the studio. I am pleased to be joined by Kevin Woodley, managing editor at In Goal Mag. Kevin, how's it going? It's good. Faber's a coward, eh? Just yeah, an absolute coward. He actually demanded that I play this intro for you, and I know you recognize it, so I'm going to cue that music, and you're going to have to hear it once again. He demands that we play it every time you come on the show, so here it is. Oh yeah, he, yeah, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have done that public knowledge. That's uh, that's a big no-no. I don't know. No, I, I can't really give the time and date, or else I feel like Nona's shoe will be flying across <laughs> North America, right and hit me in the head. I think we spent half an hour talking about a backup goaltender. All right, get out of here, Woodley. All right. Favor's going to be. Favor's going to be very pissed. You know, I don't like to say bad things about goaltenders. All right, you feature in that that music, so we had to hit it for you, Woodley. Woodley, we have a lot to talk talk about. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, We're excited to have you on. Well, you are excited. Faber bailed. So Faber's excited too. He just can't show it. He's doing his little bit where he think where he talks like he hates goaltenders. It's not true. It's it's absolute bogus. Faber Faber understands the importance of goaltenders. At least somebody does. At least somebody does. That's yeah. good to hear. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's start with the Canucks. Let's start in Vancouver, Kevin, because actually I guess we should start in Abbotsford, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we say we're starting in Abbotsford because. Mikey DiPietro, I think that's the name that a lot of people are talking about when it comes to the Canucks goaltending pipeline, Canucks goaltending depth, whatever you want to call it, the stable of goaltenders that the Canucks have, because there's a lot of reports out there that they would like to go get a veteran goaltender. What does this mean for Mikey DiPietro in your eyes? 
Uh, I'm not sure. Um, we'll have to see how this all plays out. And first of all, the fact that we're starting in Abbotsford is probably a good thing because most of the conversations I have around the league with different markets as a guest on radio shows, it's, you know, in Edmonton, like, what are they going to do for a number one? Like, this is not a bad problem to have if you're the Vancouver Canucks compared to the conversations we're having elsewhere around the league about how we solve our goaltending problem because we're already down to arguably the fourth or fifth guys on the depth chart before we start to have conversations about where they fit. So that's a positive. Um, I think that if they do go get a guy to you know be that three slash four mentor type role in Abbotsford, but with enough experience that if you need him in the NHL, you can call him up with confidence. Um, you know, just given how high they are on Archer Silovs, uh, it's hard not to look at that as at least the possibility that Michael DiPietro slides into the five spot. Now let's not forget, that's where they had Spencer Martin queued up to start last season and look where he ended up. So um, as much as that statement could lead to a lot of people, a lot of hand-wringing, like nothing is set in stone. If there's any position uh, that is in a state of constant flux, it's goaltending. And so all it takes is Michael DiPietro to come in and have a hell of a camp, um, to build on some of his late season success last year, and that could flip this on its ear. That said, if they do go get that sort of more proven, more established, maybe more ready for a call-up guy in the American League, um, that's probably how things start. Uh, and it'll be interesting to sort of see where they go from there. Um, you know, what that means long-term. like. We've we've both heard it, I think, and and it's I think it's got to be pointed out that it's not coming from the goalie coaching side of things per se. Like I'm, you know, like when I talk to Curtis Sanford, like Curtis Sanford believes in Michael DiPietro. Um, he reiterates that every time we have that conversation. So I don't know that it's necessarily coming from the goalie people. Nobody's picking apart Mikey real hard on that regard. It's just you know, the way things have progressed and you, you sort of hear from the other side of things, actually from other reporters that are frankly more plugged in than I would be on the management side that, you know, that he's a guy they, you know, they could be moved. Um, and so that creates a lot of question marks, whether it's a depth chart or, or rumblings like that. Um, you know, it, it sort of puts him in the spotlight fairly or unfairly. That's, that's where we're at right now. Now you brought up the name Archer Seelovs. Where does he fit in on all this? Like, what did last season mean for Archer Seelovs? Has he officially passed Mikey in the depth chart? Like, how does the organization view this prospect? Well, I don't think you can say he passed him. He, he, he spent, you know, when they finally needed to find him a spot to play, because he was kind of in the Mikey situation for most of the year. And that's why, you know, having three, which they did all last year, uh, as much as some people say, well, that's okay, even if, he's, even if Mikey's fifth, he can – you know, he can be on the team and still working with Curtis and all those things, but guys need to play at this stage in their development. Um, you know, I've, I talked to, you know, a lot about how poorly that was handled in, in Mikey's second pro year. Um, you know, when we're sort of playing bubble hockey and teams coming in for, you know, we had the taxi squad and him getting stuck on there all year. And that's almost what happened to our chairs last year. Like he, you know, when they finally found him a place to play, it was in the ECHL. And so, you know, I don't think you can say definitively that he's passed Michael DiPietro because he was the guy that ended up in the coast. So, um, but that said, like, that's one where, you know, I know the goalie department's very big on our turfs. Um, you know, we went over in the world championships in a bright light and a big stage and, and had a really successful run over there. 
they believe in him. And so I think you're going to see him, you know, they want to give him increased opportunities. And I think that's probably what you're going to see next year. And yes, it's possible, not guaranteed, but possible that that could be at the expense of Michael DiPietro. Again, wait and see, because you can have a wish list for goaltenders. Um, you can have a desire to go out and get, you know, a guy that you're confident in, you know, calling up that's got NHL experience, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to pan out that way. Like, you know, there's not a lot of established veterans with um, proven records in the National Hockey League uh, that are going to be lining up for the possibility of a, a, you know, a three spot. Now, if they go out and get a name that's, you know, guaranteed to be the two, like in other words, bump Spencer Martin down from, you know, currently projected to be the backup next year, you know, that's a different conversation. But even there, I think after the past two years, there's going to be a wariness among free agents that, hey, listen, like I, I honestly believe that for Braden Holtby and Yaroslav Halak, not really knowing much about Thatcher Demko, that from the outside, from the surface, looking in from a distance, uh, during free agency discussions, there was probably an element of them that said, yeah, I'm going to get to play some games ahead of this kid. And, you know, that's gone, right? Like, I think more people around the league, including other goaltenders, realize just how special uh, Demko has been over the past year and a half. And that any thoughts of, yeah, for guys that are looking for jobs that'll see increased playing time and an opportunity to maybe even move into a number one role, uh, they're no longer looking at Vancouver as that type of opportunity. So I think that takes you out of that conversation. And, and I think there's going to be a massive demand for talented number threes. Like that's an important spot for organizations to fill right now. When we have 119 goalies make play a game in the NHL last year. I don't think it'll be to that extent because we've removed sort of at least knock on wood, hopefully forever, but at least temporarily remove the the COVID issues that cost uh, a lot of teams the services of their goaltenders and force guys into roles they maybe weren't ready for with early call-ups. Um, but that's still going to be a really valuable position. And so saying you're going to get a guy and being able to go out and get that guy and have that guy be good enough that you know right away he's better than either of the other two or he has that ability, it's not a slam dunk. It's not a guarantee. So Thatcher Demko is special. We all know that. Now, when you look at signing a veteran goaltender, the goal is to build out the organization's depth at the goaltending position. I got to ask you, Kevin, because if Spencer Martin goes down or Thatcher Demko goes down and Spencer Martin's forced into action, like how confident are we, especially when you see Thatcher Demko broke down toward the end of the year, how confident are we that we can get a handful of starts from Spencer Martin next season where he can really hold down the fort? Or is that the whole reason they're looking for this veteran goaltender? Uh, it's a good question. Um, I think the sample size is so small that you're always going to have, like that's always going to be a bit of a risk, right? But man, like it's hard to argue with what he did last year in similar circumstances, right? Like he was, he was really good. And so, um, you know, I, th I think the lack of experience and the lack of sort of NHL minutes is always going to create that doubt. Um, but I, you know, I think the the people that are running the goalie department, um, you know, they, they know his game, they know what he's capable of. They saw what he was capable of. And I, I just, I don't know, like it's, it's a, sh 
short list on the veteran. Like, for example, Eunice Corposalo re-signed in Columbus, right? Like, if there's a guy coming off major surgery that had some success with Ian Clark in the past, like if a guy like that hadn't re-signed in Columbus and hit the open market and was maybe looking for, you know, can we get him on a one-year deal, sort of a reestablish yourself super cheap and then hit a big home run in your next ticket as a free agent, like those types of conversations, if you can find a guy willing to do that, changes everything because that could create that scenario you just you know talked about with with Spencer going down but I think more likely is he's your number two and so the fact they feel the need to have a number three with some NHL experience tells you that there might be some uncertainty there but I don't know that it's a high degree of uncertainty because of what he did last season and because above all else these guys know his game um you know, and what he's capable of, you know, more arguably more than anyone else around the National Hockey League because they've had him on a day-to-day basis for the last year. And with Thatcher Demko, like I said, he, he broke down toward the end of the year, and obviously the Canucks were fighting for a playoff spot. There was all that stuff going on, so they were playing Thatcher Demko a little bit more than we assume that they will next year. Now, I, I, I guess my question for you is, is there a sweet spot for Thatcher Demko when it comes to starts? Is, is there a sweet spot that he can hit to stay healthy, and I know injuries are hard to predict and everything, but you know there was that quote with from uh, Frank Saravalli when he spoke with the executive who said, "I would trade Demko right now. He might have injury problems." Do you think that's a load of baloney, or do you kind of think, okay, no, they have to manage this kid better? Uh, I mean, I just think in general around the league there has to be uh, a little more awareness of the limits physically. Um, you've got. You know, I look at uh, the guys who played the most this year. What That list would be what? Demko, Saros, and Hellebuck mm-hmm. would be the guys who played the most minutes, most shots. Um, only one of them made it to the end of the season healthy, and that was Connor Hellebuck. And he didn't have a great year by his standards. And they're lofty standards, but he didn't have a great year by them. Um, the fact that Saros and Demko, neither one of them made it to the end of the year, should be a little bit of a warning sign that, uh, you know, maybe you do need to be a little more careful with the workload uh, in terms of getting, it's, it's one thing to get through to the end of the season, but like if you're, if you have aspirations of doing any, making any noise in the playoffs, you need them to get to the end of the season, you know, not being held together by bailing wire and duct tape. They need to be healthy and strong. Um, and so maybe that window in terms of games played is closer to 50 or 55 as opposed to 60 to 65. Like maybe that's the difference. Mm. Um, but again, you know, when you, when you lean as heavily on your goaltending as Vancouver has, then your margin for error in terms of having a chance to win and get into the playoffs, you know, like there aren't a lot of guys that can play at the level that Thatcher Demko has the past couple of seasons. And so it's one thing to trust a backup. It's another thing to know that he's going to be able to give you a similar level of performance and give you a chance to win because you need such a, it's such a high threshold, right? So, you know, that's where the whole team versus goaltending aspect comes in. Like Colorado's in the cup final, neither one of their goalies have played even too expected. They have no hesitation throwing Francois in there, uh, even though I think you know, my hunch is Kemper will start tonight. But because they don't lean, they don't need that. Like they can win with subpar goaltending. Hell, they're in the Stanley Cup final with subpar goaltending throughout the playoffs. Neither guy is even at expected. Out of the 30 goalies to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs so far, Darcy Kemper ranks 22nd in adjusted save percentage, and Pavel Francois is 23rd. 
So, you know, like until you beat it, sort of build a team that can win without necessarily requiring Vesna level performances on every, on, on a nightly basis, you know, that's where it becomes difficult to rest your starter because you just need them so damn much. It's, you know, it's the UC Saros in Nashville, same situation, right? And yet they got in there and he wasn't healthy and they didn't have a chance. Whether they would have had a chance against Colorado with or without him is, is, you know, who knows, but I guarantee it would have been a hell of a lot closer with one of the best goalies in the NHL in the net, as opposed to on the sideline, nursing an injury that came late in the season, less than a week after they tried to play him or they did play him back to back. And then the other part of that is, it was only Saros's struggles in the second half of back-to-back with like two weeks left in the season that made it easy for the Canucks, at least, and Bruce Boudreaux admitted this, like it, it made it, as much as the goalie people were probably pushing for it throughout, for Boudreaux, the thing that made it easy not to start Demko in back-to-back, even though he ended up having to go in because Halak got hurt, was seeing how Saros faltered. So uh, I think there's a lot of teams that need to sort of learn from uh, the, learn from how other teams have had goalies struggle with playing time, and yet it's really easy to say from here and a lot harder to do when you're trying to win a game and you know that you need that guy to have a chance. Who are you picking in the cup final? Are you siding with the goaltender like I am? I, I'm picking Vasilevsky in the Lightning, and my big reason is Vasilevsky. Who are you going with in this series? Yeah, I'm leaning that way because of Vasilevsky as well, although I will say this. Um, you know, it's, he was brilliant against Florida. He was well below his standard in the Toronto series um, to the point where coming out of that series, you know, he was he was net negative, below expected in, in goals and save percentage. And he was in the 20s in terms of his ranking um, amongst goalies in the playoffs after round one. And I just think as that Rangers series went on, um, he wasn't tested like that clinching game six, the Rangers managed two high danger chances and scored on one of them. Now he made a brilliant save on the other one. And you could say that's rising to the moment, making big saves at big time. And that's certainly something Vasilevsky shown himself capable, especially as we get into clinch scenarios. Obviously the numbers are, I mean, they're otherworldly when we get into a chance to lock down a series. And, and so, um, I'm kind of leaning there too. I'm with you. I think goaltending could be the difference here. And yet I still think we could see a lot of goals go in at both ends. Um, even with Vasilevsky, the quote unquote best goalie in the world, uh, you know, in net for Tampa Bay, I think, you know, there are certain types, there's offense, like he can be exposed like every goaltender um, by certain types of chances. And I, to me, the biggest measure is whether, whether Tampa Bay can once again shut down that type of offense, you know, against a team like Colorado, um, the way they did against Florida and the way they did uh, against uh, the New York Rangers. Obviously a little easier task against the Rangers than it was against Florida, and it's going to be a much tougher task against Colorado. But that's a very long-winded way of saying I I, I have some hesitation there based on the team play, but I'm still 100% going with – Vasilevsky over the other two. Like I said, uh, it's not a criticism of Kemper or Francois, who I've actually kind of been a fan and, and trumpeted for a couple years now. I know there's teams that when it looked like Francois after his first year in North America was going to get to free agency, there were a couple of teams lined up to get him. Like there's a lot of people that like his, he's kind of like a UC Saros light when he's holding his edges at the edge of the paint. Um, 
you know, patiently tall, narrow stance doesn't just doesn't blink in the face of attacks right at him. Uh, where you can really expose him is by moving him east west because he holds that edge. He doesn't play with a lot of backwards flow, and as he widens out into his stance, uh, if, he, if you sort of wait till he widens out and then move it east or west, uh, he doesn't get as good a push, as, so he tends to get extended and reaching a little prematurely. But um, he's, he's a good goaltender. Kemper had a great season, just hasn't had a good playoffs. They're both capable of it, but my money would be on Vasilevsky just because of the track record. Is there any explanation for that record in elim- in elimination games or clinching games, series clinching games for Andre Vasilevsky? Is there any explanation of why he's so good in those games? Well, I mean, A, he's good, but B, and you think you've seen this, you know, we've been calling Vasilevsky the best goalie over at Ingle, the best goalie in the world for, I think, four years now. Um you know, and I was a little itchy trigger finger to maybe pass that title to Shishterkin this season. Uh, but I had a I had an NHL goalie I was talking with last week, and I didn't ask for permission to share this, so I won't share his name. But we were just casually sort of talking about the playoffs and going through some things. And he had picked up on, uh, through our podcast, some of my interviews, my sort of the way I was leaning and making those statements about Shishterkin maybe passing Andre. And, you know, he just kind of reminded me, and this is one of his, you know, this is a peer of both of them. He's like, like, Shesterkin's amazing, but like, don't forget, we may be watching one of the greatest goaltenders of all time in Andre Vasilevsky in front of us right now. And so, um, He's a freak athletically. Uh, His ability to generate lateral power and pushes from extended range of motion is something I don't know we've ever seen. Like, it's one thing to be explosive, but he can be locked in low and wide, which for most guys in the current game is death. And he will still generate powerful lateral pushes and still be able to come across from those pushes, uh, whether, whether he starts from his knees or from his skates, even in a widened out stance, uh, he comes across still with his torso upright, still with vision on the puck. Like he's not just desperately sprawling. He keeps his hands active, builds vertical coverage over the pads. And just like, there's like the, there's things he like, I guess maybe that's why I lean and maybe started to hedge toward Chesterkin a little bit because what he do, does, I think to a certain degree can be taught and what Vasilevsky does. Yes. There's some teaching and technical elements there, but there's, there's athleticism and flexibility and range of motion. And I talking to coaches that worked with him in Ottawa as far back as 18, 19 years old, like again, his, they tested his sort of physical capabilities and his power from end range of sort of muscle movement is just off the charts. And so, you know, that's part of it. He's a freak. Uh, what he does is otherworldly, like almost Hashik like in terms of his physical skills and gifts. He reads the game exceptionally well, but maybe what's been overlooked is his mental strength. Like he doesn't blink in the face of any of the criticism. He doesn't, you know, big moments don't bother him. And yet at the same time, you heard Cooper talk about this the other day, like this, how he marvels at this team's ability to just find ways to win, like the things they do to win, the sacrifices they make as a group to win. And a lot of that is in front of Vasilevsky defensively. And I think we saw that in particular in the Rangers series, like again, not taking anything away from Andre, but he literally had two high danger chances in and that's all the Rangers were able to generate in an elimination game. And that certainly helps no matter what goaltender you are. And yet we've talked about it before. Tough thing to do when the guy at the other end of the ice is stopping bullets in his teeth, save after save, spectacular save after spectacular save. And you're sitting there just trying to stay awake. And all of a sudden you have your moment on a power play in the third period to keep your team up. 
and you make that one, you only get tested once, but you make that spectacular save, like there's value in that too. And again, I think that speaks to the mental strength that Andre Vasilevsky has on top of all the physical gifts that we see every night. Now, you talked about the athleticism, the the physical gifts and all that, and all the intangible assets. I had a conversation with Ian Clark last year uh, about the drafting strategy when they, the thought process of drafting an Archer Seelovs, the thought process of drafting an Elvis Merzlikens, uh, of drafting an Aku Koskenvo. Now, my question for you is, we assume that the Canucks are going to follow that draft strategy for as long as Ian Clark's employed, but my question for you is, do you get the sense that they're going to take a goaltender in this year's draft? Uh, that's a good question. I'll be honest with you. I don't have any sense of it, quads. Like, and I haven't asked those questions. Um, you know, I, I, I fully admit there's other people that are a lot more plugged in than I am in terms of uh, their scouting philosophy and their management team and where they're leaning in that regard. I do tend to, um, like, it's a question I don't ask their goalie people um, because it puts me in a bad spot. Because uh, I do, and it puts, it could put them in a bad spot. There have been years past, like, believe me, other teams are paying attention to that philosophy, to the things that Ian identifies as important. Um, and, you know, you talk about the philosophy. I mean, it's not just a philosophy. It's a freaking book. Like, there is a book on how they should scout goaltending, like how he would like them as an organization to do it. Um which is great because you have a lot of scouts that aren't goaltenders and now they have access to materials that allow them to try and at least look through that lens as opposed to, um, you know, some of the scouting reports. I've had goalie coaches from around the league share some of the uh, anecdotally, some of the things that, that end up in scouting reports about goalies and like, you know, uh, I mean, the nicest thing you can say is like, like predictably if a kid has a good game, it's like, Oh, he played, he played big. And if he has a bad game, oh, he played small. Well, what does that mean? Like, tell me what that means. You know, right down to, it wasn't that long ago that there was a non-goalie scout that liked the goalie and in his presentation or to the team and justifying it and backing it up, he touted that he reminded him of Jacques Plante. Like, I'm like, what? He's not wearing a mask out there? Like, <laughs> what, what are we talking about here? So the ability to quantify and then um, sort of figure out what you're looking for is, is, is beneficial. But I think there are other teams, I know there are other teams that, um, you know, pay attention to some of that dialogue around it. Um, and, you know, I think that can hurt you if it gets out. And so I just don't ask those questions. Um, I'll give you an example. I think that, uh, and it wasn't, didn't come out through me, but I think that, that a number of people sort of identified whether that was just through their own work. You, you were probably one of them. Um, Blumquist as someone that they liked or had targeted. Um, and I know for sure that there were not the team that ended up taking him wasn't aware of that, but there was another team that had him eyeballed and they were positive. Like they, they were basically in the window they had him pegged. They were making sure that they were going to do ahead of the Canucks in that area. Um, because that was their assumption too. And so that information becomes really valuable and it could cost you a guy. If teams value the way you scout goaltenders and they think that it's been pinned down who you're after, it gives them a chance to say, well, Hey, like this guy's not going to be here if we don't take him before Vancouver. And in this case, like Pittsburgh jumped up and took him ahead of either one, the window, either team had him in. But to me, that's just a great, it's a great example. And I've got 
background anecdotes from conversations around the league about it as to, to why as strong as my relationships are and as, and as valuable as they are to me, there's no point in risking them by compromising some of that information by poking around those questions. It's just too much information can hurt them at some point. So I'm not going to be the one to, to talk much about uh, who they're picking in the draft. I can guess, I can speculate based on, you know, uh, the way they like, say, Eastern European goalies, Russian goalies, some of the skill sets that they tend to look for. Everybody can do that exercise, but you know, digging into whether they are for sure or not, and what kind of guy they're targeting, or some names, is is something I'm not just just not comfortable doing in this role. Very fair. I've uh, I've done it the past three years. Exactly what you're saying about just watching and and trying to pick it based on what we know they like. I, I got two guys this year that I'll tell you off air. I'm going to be writing the article for Canucks Army, but uh, yeah, I'll tell you those two names off air. Uh, but Kevin, thanks for joining us, man. I uh, really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. I don't know how much Faber does, but uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Well, Faber got a break, right? Like he just gets to take off and not do anything. He should be very appreciative at this point. And we didn't get into Mike Smith. My God. Oh, that's right. You know what? We got time. If Faber's not here. Faber can't tell me to close this show out. What do you have for us on Mike Smith here? Because Mike Smith, Contemplating retirement, apparently, that from Oilers Nation's Jason Greger. Very interesting report out of Edmonton because I think it came as good news to a lot of Oilers fans, but the conversation you and I were having shortly before this was, it's not so easy to replace him, is it? Yeah, and like, listen, this is not me, you know, jumping up and down saying, you know, Mike Smith of Vesna Canada or Mike Smith, you know, is... um, a top 10 goalie in the league. Uh, I think we saw some of the problems uh, in the playoffs, um, you know, from, especially as the playoffs went on. And I think there was an element, as much as I thought they were going to be fine because they finished off Calgary in five games. And and, and I know there was some concern there that that series had gotten gone longer, like what they were going to have left uh, out of Mike Smith. Like that was a genuine concern. Um, but I think that, um, you know, I, 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 the fact that they got through that series, you know, I think told me that, um, they, that I, I thought they'd be fine, but as the series went on, it, it appeared he wore out and being 40 years old and 41 next year is definitely a concern. And there were some concerning things in the playoffs, way too many low percentage goals, um, the puck handling, which is normally an asset, I think in the playoffs where teams pre-scouted heavily and start to take away his passing lanes and options rather than just coming right at him. Uh, I think that was problematic, held on to a few too long, made a few too many mistakes that way. So again, not trying to, not trying to like paint the picture of Mike Smith as future Vesna candidate. I understand all the questions and concerns, but at the end of the day, in the past two regular seasons, including stretches this year, like I felt like I've filtered out the stretches this year where everyone in Edmonton wanted them the hell out of there and they wanted to roll with a Miko Koskinen, uh, Stuart Skinner tandem. And believe me, I, I was part of those conversations. I do radio in Edmonton with Gregor and there were points in the season where they just, they just wanted to be done with him in Edmonton as a fan base. Well, when I look at the past two years combined, including all those down parts this year, as he tried to find his game after injury, there are seven goaltenders, seven in the entire national hockey league that have a better adjusted save percentage than Mike Smith has over the past two regular seasons and two of them have barely like the the sample size is pretty small one is Billy Huso and one is Logan Thompson 
So take them out of the equation, and we're down to five. Igor Shishterkin, Thatcher Demko, Andre Vasilevsky, Ilya Sorokin, who, by the way, might be in the conversation for best goalie in the world by this time next year. UC Soros, and Marc-Andre Fleury's tied with them. So, um, like, that's a pretty short list. And so, again, I'm not jumping up and down saying, like, you got it, Mike Smith. Like, he's the answer to every all your problems. But, man, for all the people that are jumping up and down that we have to get rid of him, finding a replacement uh, that's going to get you to the playoffs, forget what hap- happens in them, is not as easy as I think most are assuming it will be right now. Hmm. Do you have any ideas of who they might be able to target? Like, is there anyone out there? Oh, that's another conversation with a much deeper list and we'd have to go through one at a time. Like, like, do I like Billy Huso's game? Yes. Uh, I think that the St. Louis Blues may value Billy Huso more than any other team around the league. And if that's the case and they're able to make him an offer that keeps him comfortable and working with the goalie staff that he's already there um, because they can find a taker for Jordan Bennington, then frankly, I would take Bennington. Like Bennington's adjusted numbers are just fine. Even for the dip he had this year, you put him behind a better defensive environment. I think we saw this in the playoffs. It reminded people again, like he's not, he's only three spots below Mike Smith on this chart. I'm talking about, um, you know, and take, take a couple names, taking at least one name off the list. Cause Tuka Rask is one of the guys ahead of him and he's retired. So like Bennington's adjusted save percentage the past two years uh, is up there flirting with the top 10 too. So, um, you know, whichever guy moves, out of there would certainly be an option but if Huso commands like five or six million dollars a year on the free agent market like if there's enough teams that didn't learn lessons uh from Scott Darling going from Chicago and the success he had there to struggling in Carolina and they come out of their boots to sign this guy um you know I like I don't know that that makes a lot of sense for a cap strapped <laughs> crap Oilers team allergies happens all right well i think it's i think this basically just means we're gonna have to have you on again to go through every free agent goaltender and every option no, that the just, have. yeah i just set it up for a day that favor needs a week off and i'll come back on sounds like a plan kev thanks for doing this man yeah all, all the best uh even to favor and uh <laughs> happy to talk to you anytime cheers say hello to a new era of mental health care Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. And a massive thank you to Kevin Woodley of Ingoal Mag for joining us. Chris, let's go to the poll question. Our poll question, our episode 271 poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods, locally owned company, folks. Go to atlasgds.com, use promo code CC15 for 15% off your first order of pork brines, the best fresh pork rinds straight out of your air fryer. Our poll question today, when will Elias Pedersen put up 80 or more points in a season? Next season, later in his career, won't ever get 75 points, and I'm angry chris i'm with the 80 percent of voters here who say next season 22 23 yeah first of all i gotta address this i screwed up the poll question i was originally doing 75 and i was like i feel like he's gonna get 75 for sure next i was season. curious why you put yeah a little slip up 75 yeah well you know i'm not full-time here yet uh i'm still part still dogging it a little bit yeah so it's just dogging it a little bit here and uh yeah that's uh that's my bad it's supposed to be 80 but whatever it's not that big of a deal different uh People, people would still get it. I hope some people still 80% get it. 80% of people saying next season he will reach 80 or more points, and I think that's the that's the main focus here. 14% say later in his career. 5% say won't ever get there. 1% say I'm angry. How could you be angry? Come on, folks. Leas Patterson put up 80 points next season. I think it's doable. I think when you look at the pace that he played at in the second half of his season... I think there was a lot of distractions coming into last year, right? Like he still had the wrist lingering, sure. But I think what's not being talked about as much is the things people were saying about him online. And, you know, Quinn Hughes alluded to it when he talked about PD. He said like, you know, PD sees what people say about him. And, you know, I I tell him not to read it, but he sees it and he's going to be using it as fuel. And, you know, it, it didn't seem like it helped at the start of the season for Elias Pettersson, right? I think there was new pressure uh, holding out from the deal or whatever, and all, all that happened, the contract negotiations that happened before this season. When that happens, I think it's too much of a distraction for a player. And I think now that that's behind him, he can not only learn from the slow start he had and, you know, make sure it doesn't happen again. I think he will do that. I, I think the sky's the limit for Elias Pettersson. I think he's going to hit the ground running next season. Yeah, I think he even talked about it at the end of season availability was like, I think he put a lot of pressure on himself knowing that he was much more of a, you know, he wasn't on an ELC cap hit anymore, right? Like he was making good money. He's got to produce. And, and then the fact that things weren't going his way, it felt like it snowballed a little bit for him at the start of the season. But to be a point per game player is still a pretty tough feat to do. And like, yeah, Elias Pedersen feels like the type of player who is going to be able to do it. But, 
you look at what he did under Bruce Boudreaux, 55 games, 56 points. He's a 40-goal scorer at that pace if he's playing under Boudreaux. I think that would be like like that would be massive. And listen, that's that's what a lot of people hope and expect for Pedersen. But to me, like that's still a massive, massive jump that he needs to take to be an 80, 80 point guy who scores, you know, 40 goals is what like you might want to expect to see from him, like 35 plus goals. That's a huge jump to take from what he's been doing in the past. Like he's never cracked 70, right? So like that's a that's a big jump to go up to eighty points, be basically a point per game player. He has all the skill in the world. We know that for sure. Um, his shot obviously came around in the second half of the season under Bruce Boudreaux. Boudreaux's going to want him to shoot the puck as much as possible. You're going to see that with a lot of the Canucks top players. And, and Pedersen, when he's confident in his shot, like he is an absolute sniper. I mean, he's one of the best shots in the league. I think the problem is he's got one of the best shots in the league when he's confident, when he's confident in his shot and he's getting the releases that he likes off of his stick. That's when he's at his best. And that's when he is one of the best in the league at taking shots, whether it be the one time or whether it be a wrist shot, like he's got all, he's got all the tools to have one of the best shots in the league. But to me, it's, it is like you mentioned, it's, it's all about confidence with this guy, right? Like, and he, He's a confident kid. We know that, but he's got to be at another level of confidence to to be basically a point per game player like that type of player. You know, not every team has a point per game type of guy, right? Like Pedersen needs to be one of the top players in the league, one of the top point producers in the league. He has the potential to do it. I, I'm wondering if it like I expect him to have a better year next year. I expect him to be a better player. And I think for a couple more years here, we're going to see that before he gets to his peak. It would still it would like surprise me if I'm being honest for Pedersen to come in next year, be a 35 goal scorer, you know, add whatever 50 assists, be an 80 plus point guy. Like it it would, it would surprise me a little bit. Like it would be a big jump. And I think that, yes, we'd like to see it and the potentials there for it to happen. But I, I wonder what like the betting odds would be for him to actually do it because there might be some value in thinking that he can't get to 80 points. I think he has a potential to do it. But it's a really tough thing to do. It's really hard for you to get 80 points in the NHL. And Pedersen has the skill, but it's going to be difficult, man. I, I think it's going to – it would surprise me to see him, you know, be 35 goals plus and, four, and 80 points plus. I think he could do it. I really yeah, I do. Think, I think he can do it. I think No, I think he could do it I don't it know if he season. will do it. I think he season. will do it next season. Yeah. This might have to be another Canucks combo bet. Sure. Yeah, well, we need – I said we can get this uh, – we got to get the board up here. That's true. We do. We'll get that in the new studio. 81 and a half points. That's what the bet will be. What? 81 and a half 80 points. and a half. You said 80 or more. Okay, no, fine. 79 and a half. If he gets 80, I win the bet. Okay. I'll give you that. Okay. Put it on the board when we get the board up. <laughs> we need someone, one of our listeners to keep track of our bets. Yeah. Where do you want to go from here, Chris? Because I think Elise Patterson is going to have a big year. You hate him apparently. But jeez, oh, Louise. <laughs> But that was our poll question. Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Do you have anything that you want to close out with? Do you have any prospect report for us? Blackfish is back at Canucks Army, and that's super exciting. So if you want to go read our weekly prospect report where we just give you the stats, go to Blackfish. I know a lot of the prospects aren't playing right now, but you've still got some good stuff. Your first one released today. It was very good. Blackfish at CanucksArmy.com. Yeah. Uh, just let me go through some quick updates here. Uh, Victor Parison. Uh, no contract yet with the Vancouver Canucks to go play in the AHL. Uh, he's got some options in Sweden, might end up going back to Sweden for a year or two. The Canucks have until 2024, and that's in June to sign him. So there's not like a huge 
pressure for him to be in the AHL this year. He might even just go back to Sweden for one year. I think that might be like an ideal situation, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, let me touch on Danilo Klimovic a little bit. Um, Klimovic, interesting. He's been working out with some NHLers uh, here down in Delta, working out with Alex Tuck, Kyle Burrows, Ty Smith, Brennan Gallagher. He's been getting his workouts in here in Vancouver. That's good. And uh, spoke to his agent, Dan Milstein, who said uh, he is in Vancouver and plans to stay here to train. So that's good news for Klimovic. I did happen to see. He's, uh, looks like he's on a vacation on Instagram, though. He's uh, getting maybe you know maybe getting a chance to see the family a little bit before he gets back here. But expect him to be back for development camp and uh, get training hard for that. So excited for that. And then uh, Aku Koskenvo, your your guy over there, mm. making the jump to uh, Harvard. Did a little bit of research on the Harvard team. It looks like they're returning their starting goaltender from last year. So going to be difficult for uh, Koskenvo to get into the starters role, but. I think the goal for him should be to be the starter in the 23-24 season, but it would be nice to see him make a push, right? Like, obviously, there's going to be a lot of excitement uh, for him to come to North America and finally play some hockey here. And probably got to do some more research on the guy with the goalie coach at Harvard, Brian Robinson. Uh, see if we can get some more information on him. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, I'm excited to see Koskenvo. Like you kind of pointed out in Blackfish, going to be hard for him to get the starters role next year at Harvard, but... A good step, nonetheless, and he's going to be there for multiple years. So, lots to look forward to. Have I done to. the uh, the Hugo Gabrielson and Myrenberg updates, too? No, you haven't. Okay, so they're both going to be in Al Svenskin next year. Um, Hugo Gabrielson didn't have a great season in his rookie year uh, playing pro hockey in Al Svenskin, but he'll be back in Al Svenskin next year. The interesting one for me uh, is Jonathan Myrenberg. From what everything I hear, the organization is very happy with Myrenberg's play. Uh, he impressed this past season, getting into 15 SHL games. Also on the radar as a right shot D uh, for Sweden at the 2023 uh, World Juniors. Not the one that's happening this summer, but the one that's going to happen in December. Uh, by the way, excited for that. Back-to-back World Juniors within like six months. Hell yeah. Uh, but he has signed a loan with an Alsvenskan team. Uh, so it's, it's. I think it's going to be good for him. I think he's going to get more playing time. He played a decent amount, uh, and even speaking with our friend Alexa Potak, uh, who covers the SHL, great. Uh, she's one of our favorites. We'll have to get her back before the draft here, actually, as well. Um, but she was impressed with with Myrenberg's play and how he was able to step in and even play some games where he was like 17, 18 minutes. Uh, for a 19-year-old, pretty damn impressive to play defense in the SHL at that level, that many minutes, so... Good little run there, and uh, yeah, that's basically all I got for prospects. No one's playing games right now, unfortunately, and uh, we'll just wait for development camp. I'm so jacked up, man. Like, I feel like, uh, I don't know what our podcast output's going to be during development camp, but like, I want to bang something out every day pretty much here. I'll have to send you a loan. I'll go to UBC with you. We'll, we'll go to UBC, watch some prospects. Are you I, coming to UBC? Yeah, I'll come to a few days. I'll watch Kuskenvo. That's the only reason I'm there. What about your guy, Seelov? Seelov's going to be there, He's right? going to be there? Yeah, he should be there. Should he? Why wouldn't he be? He's a pro. Oh, come on. Klimovich is, is a pro. C-Lo- yeah, well, Silovs is above that. I'm know. actually, well, to speak on this, like, and listen, I've been trying to get in contact with Ryan Johnson for a while here, uh, but I'm curious to see, like, which, like, to me, like, I, I need I need answers on this. Is Will Lockwood going to be there? Like, is he too old now? Is Jack Rathbone going to be there? You need answers on that, right? Yeah, I've been I trying to Because I is above it. Well, okay. Well, well do you send Mikey DiPietro? That's the other thing. It's like, do you send just like, because listen, Linus Carlson, Linus Carlson, no, Linus, damn it. Uh, Linus Carlson's going to be there. He's a little bit of an older prospect. Yeah, I don't 23. care about age. Did you play a full season in Abbotsford? Yeah, I don't think that makes that much. Well, how much better, like, you know, no, how much I, better I understand. is the We include is, these guys on prospect yeah, reports. But so. To me, like, is it is it everyone that's like under 24? 
right? Like, aside from, like, you know, you're not going to get Niels Huglander over Silly Pod Coles in there. But, like, which, if you didn't play in the NHL, are you eligible? Like, I, I need to find that. I've been trying to get RJ for fair. weeks now. Hopefully, you get to chat with him soon. I want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chat with Curtis Sanford soon, I think. That's yeah. my guy. That's my guy I like talking to. I wonder how connected uh, Koskenvo is going to be now that he's coming to North America. Like, I... Obviously, Sanford's going to be working with the AHL team, but do they send him on an assignment maybe to go work a weekend with Koskenvo, or is that something that Ian Clark might even end up doing? Because we heard that that happened with Mikey DiPietro in the AHL when he was in Utica. Um, would be curious to see, uh, you know, maybe we, that's something we have to check in during the season to see if it's upcoming or if it's already happened, because I don't think they're going to, like, announce that Ian Clark's going to Harvard for a weekend to work with Koskenvo. But I hope that's a thing that we hear uh, at some point next year, because I think that would be great, even just, like, a weekend to to chat in person and, and get that settled. Like it, it obviously helped Mikey DiPietro a ton when it happened uh, in Utica. So hoping for a similar thing with cost Genvo now that he's uh, at Harvard next season, which I'm excited for you. You said this, right? He's the first Finnish player. Yes. First Finnish like skater goalie, everything to, to play for Harvard. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool little honor there for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, first finished player to play at the Harvard program. Like, he's a smart kid. That's the thing is he reads the game really well. And for a goaltender, obviously, that's super important. But, you know, like, he's overall a pretty smart kid as well. Okay, last thing I want to get in here. John Tortorella uh, has been offered the Philadelphia Flyers head coaching position. That from Kevin Weeks and <laughs> Bruce Cassidy hired in Vegas. So now the Vegas Golden Knights have a new coach after firing Pete DeBoer which I think confused a lot of people, but Pete DeBoer out as head coach in Vegas. Bruce Cassidy, who, again, that surprised a lot of people, hired in Vegas. Yeah. Bob Leslie got skipped over once again. <laughs> well, well, it's a callback. I do want to close out with this, and I don't know if we talk about this too much already, but Travis Green reportedly not had an interview yet. H- hasn't had an interview. Uh, that from Frank Cervalli of Daily Faceoff, he reported that, Travis does he doesn't think that Travis has had an interview yet. Does that surprise you at all? No, not really. I, I still think that and I think uh, I seen a tweet this morning from Darren Dreger saying that like there's still forty coaches out there, like assistants as well, that don't have contracts going into next season. I, I still think that Travis Green needs to like I don't think he did enough to one hundred percent be like in the conversation as as high as some of these big name coaches that are out there. And I think, you know, even Torts who has a lot of questions around him probably gets a shot as a head coach before Travis Green does. I mean, we're seeing it. We're seeing it happen live. I think yeah. I think Green can get back into the NHL, but I think he might have to be an assistant coach. I mean, heck, man. Like, I know it's a very different situation, and there was obviously – I mean, it's just a completely different situation how their time in the NHL as a head coach ended. But, like, Mark Crawford, a very well-known coach, had to go back and become an assistant coach and kind of earn the respect of the league again through a different way, obviously, than Travis Green has to. But Travis Green just needs, like – He's experienced, man. I, I think he needs to go be an assistant coach somewhere, or like maybe he can land a head coaching gig with a really bad team. Maybe, but like I, I still think like it's probably best route for him is to go be an assistant coach and learn more about being an NHL coach. This was a rookie NHL coach when he came into the Canucks. Probably has a lot more to learn. That's fair. That's a very fair take on Travis Green. I think. Okay, we'll close it out there for my co-host Chris Faber. Our thanks to Kevin Woodley for joining us. Thank you so much to you, the listener, for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?